This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today we're going to focus on goalkeepers. Um, I'm joined here by the Newcastle United editor Mark Douglas, one of our writers, Sean McCormick and Stuart Jameson, um, who, what is your, I don't know, I'm trying to practice this, sports manager editor. Sports editor. editor. It's a mouthful and a half. Journalism's equivalent of director of football. There we go. Um, and like I say, we're going to focus <laughs> on uh, on goalkeeping. You know, Rafa Benitez has quite a few at the club. He's going to have to maybe make some decisions this summer. And we'll start with you, Mark. Um, what, what do you understand Benitez's feeling is about, about the situation at Newcastle? Well, he's, he's clearly not um, overly convinced about the goalkeeping department, which we saw as early as last summer, because um, Newcastle have four, in my opinion, well, I mean, four if you uh, take. Obviously, you've got Rob Elliott, Tim Krul, Matt Sells, and um, you've also got Carl Darlow. But then you've also got Freddie Woodman, who's another outstanding young goalkeeper. Also, Newcastle have actually got five goalkeepers. Yet we understand that Rafa's actually looking at bringing in another goalkeeper as well. Uh, last summer they brought in Matt Sells, which was um, a surprise first signing. Uh, and what was really interesting when Matt Sells came in was, uh, and this was kind of the way that Rafa uh, kind of d- did his business last summer. That he we actually got um, we actually got quite well briefed about the reasons behind why Rafa brought Matt Sells in. So we were told at the time, you know, look, Tim Krul, he is back on the training ground. But we, we, were, we were told, you know, Tim Krul probably won't play a part before September at the very earliest. As it turned out, it was kind of like even later than that. He really didn't get fit until the end of the season. So Rafa kind of knew about that, which was quite, quite interesting because I think in previous summers, they'd have just signed somebody and not maybe explained to us, certainly on the record, quite as, uh, quite as in, in depth why they did it. Uh, but they brought him in because basically they believed that A, he'd have good sell-on value because he was only, uh, he's only young in, in the Belgium squad. And B, they thought he was a good, he's a good shot stopper and had, uh, and had excellent technique. Um, but it clearly said a lot about how um, Rafa viewed Carl Darlow, who to everybody externally looks as if he's done a really good job. But obviously Rafa's a kind of perfectionist and he's seen things in Carl Darlow's game I think that he doesn't quite like. I think that Rafa wants more of a sort of sweeper-keeper he wants. He, I think the way the football's going, every team in the Premier League, every good team in the Premier League, wants a goalkeeper whose distribution and technique is as, almost as good as uh, an outfield player. I mean, we can see that the reason that Sunderland feel comfortable charging or saying, you know, Jordan Pickford's going to be a thirty, forty million pound goalkeeper is because the guy with the ball at his feet is as good as anybody in the uh, Premier League. You know, he's arguably as good as David de Gea um, with the ball at his feet. I mean, we saw that there was a great clip that went round. Uh, Twitter wasn't there of Jordan Pickford kind of volleying this uh, 30-40 yard ball straight to the feet of another player and I think Rafa wants that kind of goalkeeper now 
Arguably, he hasn't got that in Carl Darlow. Uh, Rob Elliott, I think, is an excellent goalkeeper and a really good, uh, really good member of the dressing room. And I think that he'll keep Rob, Rob Elliott because Rob Elliott will, um, Rob Elliott will probably start the season as number one, I would think, and will be happy, I think, if he sort of steps back into the uh, into the background after that. But um, it's a really intriguing part of the whole kind of second phase of the revolution, if you will, because you'd think that is the one area where Newcastle don't need another player. But Rafa doesn't see it that way. And it's this kind of like relentlessness that Rafa's got that he keeps wanting to improve every every side of it. So um, there's going to be quite some quite interesting things happen with the goalkeepers, I think, because I think you could see Carl Darlow leave. I think Matt Sells will probably go on, on loan for a season because nobody will be able to match the contract that he's on at Newcastle. Um, and you'll probably see another goalkeeper come in and it will be somebody who can play with the ball at his feet um, and could potentially be... Um, be you know be the first line of attack so a really interesting summer goalkeeper wise um Newcastle have got a really good tradition of really really good goalkeepers um Tim Krul's obviously there as well I think Tim Krul's time has probably passed I know he wants to come back and he wants to be there but I think I think probably Tim Krul uh might move on because he'll want first team football he'll want to play in England and he's still got a very good reputation hasn't he uh, and still is an excellent goalkeeper but um I think Rafa will look at somebody else. That's interesting because we were having a discussion before, Stu, that we actually really like Tim Krul and we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't like to see him. We would like to probably no, see him given well, the number one jersey. I think he's a Premier League class goalkeeper. Uh, I think it's interesting what Mark's saying about the, the distribution element of it because uh, certainly that was something Krul's been accused of when he was first starting out. But I think at the time he was, he was very young, wasn't he? Um, and it's certainly something he's, he's improved on. Whether you would be comfortable playing on that sweeper keeper role, I don't know. To be honest with yeah. you, but then again, not many goalkeepers are. There. No, and that's the that's the problem, isn't it? I think that you've got a you've got a situation where like there aren't that many goalkeepers who do. I mean, Joe Hart, like Manchester City, basically um, they they sacrificed Joe Hart because he couldn't do that, and that was Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola's biggest call, probably one that he got wrong, but one that he as a you know he sort of sees the way the game's going. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson signed De Gea, who was quite. Um, we forget now, but when he first started in Manchester United, he was really, you know, he was quite poor, wasn't he, really? But yeah. um, I remember at the time, Ferguson basically said, like, this guy is the future. And as you've seen, like, the way that he can, you know, I mean, he's as good at probably outfields, quite a lot of players, his technique's as good as that. And um, I think that's the way goalkeeping's going, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of people who can, you know, shot, uh, stop shots really well. I mean, there's, a, you know, any goalkeeper really worth their salt in the Premier League now can stop shots really well. Apart from, ironically, uh, Claudio Bravo, who Pep Guardiola brought in. Uh, but yeah, it's a kind of different art now, isn't it, as well? And I think that Rafa will change the way that Newcastle play next season. They'll be a different team. Um, and he'll, he'll probably see goalkeepers, you know, that's the kind of first wave of defence and attack for any modern Premier League goalkeeper. And Rafa likes, Rafa will be ahead of the trend with that. Um, it, it is interesting because the teams we're talking about, though, tend to have a lot of the ball. And therefore, the, you expect the gap between the, the back line and the goalkeeper to be quite big, which the keeper can then push yeah. up on. It's interesting if Rafa's thinking along those lines that he's planning Newcastle to, to try and, particularly at home, to try and have a lot of the ball and not look to, to hit on the counter attack, where you, the, the, the need for the goalkeeper to have the ball is slightly less if you yeah. then hit teams quickly on the break. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've kind of made quite a lot. And I think um, I spoke to Scott Minto at the end of the season, and he was quite. Uh, he was quite uh, he he believes that Newcastle's tactics and Rafa's tactics will work better in the Premier League than they do in the Championship because he thinks that they will play a bit more counter attack. But actually, you look at the table in the Premier League below eighth, and all of those teams, like none of those teams, I don't think will come to St James's Park 
and really have a go at Newcastle, you know, because they all finish with minus goal difference, which tells you a lot about like what they're like as attacking forces. So Newcastle for the tops when the top seven come to town, they probably will have to play a little bit more counter attack. You know, we saw Manchester City when Newcastle played Manchester City at the end of their relegation season. That was how they kind of lined up. They'll probably do it against those top teams, but I think you know Newcastle will have to still take the game. It will be similar to what it was like in the Championship when, say, you know, your kind of Bournemouths uh, of this world come. You know, your, your Burnleys. Those are the teams that Newcastle are going to have to beat if they're going to get into the top ten. And I think they're going to have to set the pace and control games against those teams as well. So, um, completely different challenge for Rafa next season, and that's why I think they look at goalkeepers as being, you know, having a different function. Um, you know, of course, I think if they don't bring in a goalkeeper, they're fine. They're, they're well stocked in terms of Rob Elliott, who's probably the best shot stopper that they've got. Um, a really excellent shot stopper, you know, he, he is. And I think, you know, I, and I like Rob Elliott as a character as well. I think he's the kind of character you need in a, in a squad. But um, yeah, interesting, really interesting and kind of unexpected <coughs> discussions I think we'll, we'll be having about goalkeepers. Just want to talk about Carl Darrell last season, Sean, obviously watching Castle week in, week out. What did you make of his season? He had quite a good start, but there was a few nervy moments towards the end. It was against Bristol, and then I mean, what did you make of his performance overall last season? Yeah, I think he did a good job when he came in. I think technically, Carl Dahl was probably the best goalkeeper at the club at the minute. Yes, he has got a mistake in him, and I think that really, when you're looking at Premier League quality, is he a number one goalkeeper in the Premier League? I don't think so. Um, Rob Elliott's probably the best goalkeeper at the club overall. I would say just purely because. When you look at the whole package, you're saying there, Mark said quite a bit about how you need to have distribution now and play as a sweeper keeper. I think Rob Elliott's distribution is fairly decent, to be fair. Um, again, though, is he a number one in the Premier League? I don't think so. So, Rafa probably will be looking to bring in a Tom Heaton, say, character in the summer. Um, I think Freddie Wumben could have a very, very good future, but obviously he's not ready yet. But he's very, really impressed at Kilmarnock. Um, Will he go on loan to the Championship? I would suggest yes, next season. Obviously, I'd see how he fares there. I don't see Tim Krul having a future either. Um, he's struggling in, in Holland by all accounts. He's, he's come under a lot of criticism, and I don't think he's quite got back to the level he was before that knee injury last season. So, um, Carl Darlow, yeah, he had a decent, decent season, but I don't think long-term he's the answer for Newcastle. It's one of the issues, or main criticisms maybe of Carl Darlow, is that He's not authoritative enough in the box. I mean, there's <coughs> numerous times where he's come to get the ball or his defence have got it, maybe he had it back to him. There's been a bit of miscommunication. But for a goalkeeper, that's, that's quite an important element of the game is to, to, to reassure the defence that you know, you're know you the man, you're the one in charge and you know the one to get you shouting. Yeah, of course. I think you've got to be authoritative. You're going to be a goalkeeper. As I said before, Cardano is very talented. He's handling superb. But the Bristol City game was a prime example of that a breakdown in communication it can't happen in the Premier League Newcastle mm. yeah so we're talking about playing, yeah, getting into a top half position next season cementing their place in the division you, you can't be allowing those mistakes to creep in particularly at the back because I think Rafa Benitez this season has built his foundations on the back four and then pushed forward and I think in the Premier League you, you can't afford for you keep on making those kind of mistakes and Stu to get uh, to drop Cordalo when Rob Elliott was you know we come back fully fit. I mean that says says quite a lot about what Benitez possibly thinks about Carl Dardo, um in terms of you know starting the game we go. It does. It was a big call. Um, I think it does show that the strength of got because obviously Elliot was able to come in uh, and he, he made a he, an excellent save in that Preston match. Um, when I think it was just before Preston equalised, they went through and he just made that one save. 
and it just kept Newcastle on track, didn't it? Um, it was a fantastic stop. But, you know, Rob Elliott, I thought he, he deserved to, to feature this season because I think, as Mark said, he's been positive influence behind the scenes, even when he was out and then when he was back in, involved in the squad. Um, certainly him and Darla seem to have a very good relationship, which is great. It also shows Rafa's ruthless element as well. Um, he really isn't afraid just to pick whoever he feels is going to be best for whatever situation. And and also when it comes to the summer, when it comes to getting rid of players, he's, he's, he's quite willing just to just to do whatever he feels is best for the club. Which I think, from a Newcastle fan's point of view, is, can only be a good thing really, can't it? Definitely. And Mark, the names that have been linked, as Sean mentioned, Tom Heaton, obviously Jordan Pickford's been thrown in, uh, Pepe Reina has also been mentioned. When, what, are there any names that are on the radar at the moment that you understand? Well, I mean, it, it'll be interesting because I think probably Newcastle's, you know, will, will look abroad at, at players this summer. Um, but having kind of had their fingers a little bit burnt with Matt Sells, you know, who looked like a, the perfect kind of uh, buy really for Newcastle in a lot of ways. He was on the edge of a really good Belgium squad, you know, like mentality-wise, he was fantastic. Um, but I think that showed how difficult it is coming into the Premier League as a, as a sort of goalkeeper from overseas. You know, David Hayer struggled with it. Um, we saw Claudio Brava obviously struggled with it. Um, there's, there's not many goalkeepers who've come up from overseas and really settled straight away. I mean, Hugo Lloris did absolutely fantastically well from the, from pretty much the moment he uh, he came in. You know, I mean, he was he, he's you know one of the few I'd say he was kind of like outstanding from the outset. But even De Gea, you know, struggled. Um, so it'll be really interesting. I mean, you know, Pickford. I would say you know Pickford would be the kind of goalkeeper that Rafa would. And, and I know that that story got a lot of. Um, it was in the Sun, I think, originally. That story got a lot of criticism when um, when it kind of came out. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me one little bit if Rafa hadn't made a cheeky inquiry about Jordan Pickford because Pickford is exactly the kind of player that, that Benitez would be looking at. Um, young, uh, outstanding. You know, the potential to kind of get better. I think that when Rafa met Mike Ashley, that was something that was kind of talked about. You know, that Rafa kind of wanted to reassure Mike Ashley that you know he wasn't about trying to sign a load of sort of twenty-nine-year-olds, thirty-year-olds. So goalkeeper-wise, it is difficult to kind of. It is difficult to square that with what Newcastle need. So Tom Heaton wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, Burnley are going to find a lot of their best players, I think, picked off this summer. Um, Tom Heaton wouldn't be a surprise if they were kind of looked at that. Um, but it is going to be a difficult one. Um, I, you know, whether whether there's a player out there who immediately springs to mind for us at the moment, I'm not. I'm not so sure. But you know, I mean, they've been, they've been mentioned with. I mean, I think it's four or five goalkeepers now. Pepe Reina was an interesting one because obviously he would come back and he would know the Premier League instantaneously. He's still doing well, actually. Um, is it Napoli still at? Yeah, yeah. Still doing well at Napoli. You know, they'd be able to bring him in. He's on quite a, you know, he's on a short contract. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they looked at a kind of experienced goalkeeper like that to kind of come in and, and take a few of the others on. Um, but I mean obviously they're going to have to sell somebody first I don't think Newcastle will go out and sign a player before they sell somebody yeah. in the goalkeeping department because you know Matt Sells is on a contract until 2021 um, I was speaking to Belgian sources yesterday about the kind of Anderlecht link and they were telling me there's no team in the Jupiler League that could afford to pay Matt Sells what he's on now on at Newcastle so where does he go you know Carl Darlow I think was mentioned as a potential one for Chelsea because they're looking for a number two or somebody that can come in and and play that way because um, I know that they're looking at they're looking at other options as well. So I think they're going to have to sell somebody first, and then they'll probably bring somebody in. But 
you know, Jordan Pickford was obviously one that we all kind of looked at. But I mean, if they're asking thirty million for him, Newcastle aren't going to pay that kind of money. And also, Pickford politically, it's difficult for him. It's very difficult for him to come in. He's he's just said he doesn't want to play for Newcastle. He could never see himself doing that. I'm going to take that with a bit of a pinch of salt. Alan Smith said it, didn't he? Um, and then famously went and played for Manchester United as well. Look, these players, they say it because it makes them sound as if they're kind of like with it. But then. If the option came and it's like, right, we'll double your money from what you want at Sunderland, you're playing the Premier League, you have to move home, yeah, players very quickly. It's something, isn't it? Yeah, but I think Pickford, I personally don't think that that is a go in anyway, and I do think that Pickford would, will, you know, he will go somewhere else. I think he'd probably end up at Everton. Do you think that's simply because of the price, or do you think it's because of his heart? Obviously, I think Sunderland kind of. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of it. I think there'd be a little bit of it where he would think he would have a little bit of second thoughts. Jack Colback made the move the other way because. He's, he was a you know Newcastle fan and he yeah. was Newcastle born and he wanted to you know I think he would have wanted to go to Newcastle um, because of those reasons I think Pickford's a Sunderland lad isn't he Sunderland player he'll have other options and better options in terms of probably going to play European football at Everton or even you know elsewhere there'll be other teams coming in for him um, it wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal don't take a look at him because you know they've obviously got the better check but you know they need they probably need somebody like who's young who can come in and do something I don't think Pickford will play for Newcastle at all um, but I think he's a possibility you know I think um, obviously Jack Butland did you know he's, he's been linked with sort of other clubs as well hasn't he you know he's just coming back from a long term injury um, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of looked at some of those names as well but goalkeeper's a difficult position to get to bring somebody in at the right budget the right price and all of that kind Aging. of thing Right age as well, okay, isn't it? It is difficult, but that's the kind of scope of Rafa's ambition. You know, it's a proper. You know, we're not just talking about sort of superficial changes this summer. I think we're looking at wholesale kind of big changes and things. And and, st- and, and you know, I don't think we'll have to wait too long to see the kind of colour of Newcastle's money, if you will. Um, so I mentioned Tim Krul before. Obviously, Sean mentioned his, his time in Holland. It's, it's a shame, isn't it, that a guy whose stock was held so highly wasn't long that we mentioned for Spurs before Luis joined it has fallen obviously because of the injury but it's, it's such a shame because he was a top quality goalkeeper um, and it's a big shame for Newcastle isn't it? It is and I think that Cruel's <clears throat> well still held in high regard up here um, he's, he's been here since he was 16, 17 Yeah, very young um, I think he even said in an interview didn't he before the end of last season that he classed himself as a Geordie and it hurt when they got relegated and stuff like that so it's, it's, it's a shame in that sense but if we're talking about Rafa Benitez and wanting this kind of super keeper, if we're being blunt, Cruel just doesn't fit that bill anymore. Um, I think he will get a move to a decent team in the summer because even though he has struggled in Holland, he still has that reputation in England. I think he's been linked with Everton in, in the last few weeks, and I think obviously Everton are on the lookout for a goalkeeper. I think Jordan Pickford's their number one choice, but I don't see Pickford making the move to Everton, so that could be an option for Cruel. And I just want to go back to what Mark was saying before about how. Um, Rafa looking for that keeper of the Pickford ilk surely that would mean that Pepe Reina would be mm. a logical choice because I think when you look at Pickford's distribution we haven't seen anything of the like that's like the side for him since Pepe Reina at Liverpool he was the one who kind of brought that in was the, the master of it really wasn't he so I think I can't see Pepe Reina being a, a illogical choice if yeah. Pickford is well, he, it is very unlikely it's isn't interesting it because didn't I think it was Chris, Chris asked um, Rafa before the end of the season about Rainer and Rafa's reply was very coy. He said, "You know, he's a he's an yeah. team's player at the moment." So uh, was that a bit of Rafa playing the playing this, playing the game, or was that Rafa well, just? I know? don't think I don't think Rafa. 
I don't think Rafa really plays down. I, don't, I think I've been to a few press conferences where we've asked him about transfer links, and he doesn't generally shoot them down. But I found his his answer there quite interesting because I didn't think it felt to me like a man who was you know dismissing it. You know, it felt like there was something maybe potentially in the, in that um, you know Rainer. I think would be it would be a really good signing for Newcastle just because it also he'd have that experience and he could come in and sort of guide guide other other you know younger players I mean Freddie Woodman would be a really interesting one to watch because they made the mistake didn't they with Fraser Forster who you know is another one who I think would be worth watching for Newcastle although obviously he's not got the distribution necessarily of, uh, of a kind of Rainer but uh, they made the mistake with Fraser Forster they sold him before he before he got the chance you know because I think he wanted to go he was very very ambitious wanted to play for Newcastle but didn't didn't fancy waiting around for Tim Krul to kind of get an injury and force his way in. And I think the culture at the time at Newcastle was as well. If you're a first team player here, you stay in the team. You know, we saw that Tim Krul had a few weeks of bad form and didn't wasn't removed. You know, that wasn't the case last season. So I think Fraser Forster got got frustrated, left. I think very cheaply, um, considering where he is now in England international. You know, you could like goalkeepers are worth a lot of money now. And Newcastle made a mistake with Fraser Forster. They sold him too early. They didn't sell him for enough. Um, they probably should have given Fraser Forster a, a, a go, you know, more of a more of a go than they did. So they have to be very careful with Freddie Woodman because Freddie Woodman has already attracted interest from other clubs, other teams. This is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Like the look of Freddie Woodman, um, he's already in the England system, so you know he probably will play for England one day. They have to be really, really careful what they do because if they sign somebody at the age of 23 or 22, then Freddie Woodman will probably look at it and think, "Well, I'm never going to play here," and he'll look to get away. And for Newcastle, that's that's you know they, they did a lot to try and keep Freddie Woodman here. They really like him. They think he's a, a good goalkeeper. He's got um, a really good manner about him as well. I think he's he's learning. So they have to be careful with Freddie Woodman. So they've got like the sort of balances of the immediate first team. And looking after Freddie Woodman, who I think is probably the future at Newcastle, um, and then they got Carl Darlow in the middle, who's you know, still young for a goalkeeper as well, who will probably want first-team football. So, um, some big decisions there, and it wouldn't surprise me if like the first kind of player sold by Newcastle this summer is is somebody who, who surprises us, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was kind of like Carl Darlow, maybe gone somewhere else, maybe you know maybe if there's a team in the Premier League who need a goalkeeper who want to upgrade their goalkeeper, it wouldn't surprise me if Darlow was. Was the one who went there? Even an ambitious. How much do you think they'd raise for Krull and Darlow? Um, I think well, Darlow. I mean, Darlow. You'd be kind of looking at the best part of like seven, eight million potentially, five to eight million maybe. Um, the problem for Darlow, of course, is that you know although he's played for England in the twenty ones, you know what? If Chelsea came in and signed him as the second choice goalkeeper, how much are they going to? Mm. How much are they going to realistically spend on on him for that? 
good question. You know, I, I, the problem is with you can you can charge a lot for goalkeepers who are first choices, but then where do you go from that? And Tim Krul is another one, isn't it? Where is somebody going to take a risk on Krul with his injuries? You know, and I know he's kind of made a very big noise. He was really annoyed, I think, um, in January when he went to um, when he left. Sorry, when he left Ajax. He was really frustrated with the way that people kind of sold it, you know, as like his injuries have been a problem here. He found it really, really frustrating. And I think I know that um, he was frustrated with the way that Ajax talked about his injury and said he wasn't fit again. He, he, was, he insisted he was fit. He said he was fit. And I think that that will be the key coming back to Newcastle. You know, he, his, you know he's quite a very confident guy, is Tim Krul. You know, he's very kind of forthright. Um, you know, he won't accept the fact that he's injury prone he'll say no I'm, I'm fine I can come in and play and I'm a Premier League goalkeeper and I should be Newcastle's number one on Tim Krul will Rafa Benitez already have it in his mind that this is I want a new keeper these other keepers going out or will he give him a fair chance to like, go and prove yourself in a couple of pre-season friendlies show me what you've got to change your mind well we, saw, well we saw last season that Rafa's you know any goalkeeper changed Rafa's mind he played three goalkeepers last season um, as first team players now when was the last time a Newcastle manager did that you know, and all three of them, he, he picked them on their merits. So he had cells in, and he dropped. And it, we all thought he was going to be very stubborn about cells, and he was going to say, "Look, now I'm persevering with cells. He's my signing." You know, and he knew that when he when he dropped cells before the Norwich game, effectively he was almost, you know, it was the first stage in ending Matt Sells' Newcastle career because you don't drop a goalkeeper mid-season unless you've got serious concerns about them. That's what he did. He was prepared to do that sacrifice in, for Newcastle's promotion hopes, basically. Um, then to do it again at the end of the season when Carl Darlow was kind of like, you know, he hadn't made a ma- he hadn't made loads of big mistakes. He made he made the odd error, but also remember he'd saved Newcastle a lot of points over the course yeah. of the season as well. Um, but he obviously just take took that decision, knew how it was going to be perceived, knew the effect that it would have on um, Darlow himself as well. So he took some really big decisions there. So I think if somebody comes in and does really well in pre-season yeah I think they will have a big big opportunity to, to prove themselves Rafa's shown already that he's not he, he, he takes people on their merits you know if he doesn't think that John Joe Shelby is turning up next season if he doesn't think Matt Ritchie's playing well enough he'll drop them all you know that that's his that's his rule especially when he thinks there's somebody there waiting to come in so I think yeah I think Tim Krul will have an opportunity in pre-season Rafa will get that message out to the players early on um, but you know I, I can, I think it's going to be difficult for Krull because he's going to come in and Elliot's probably the number one at the moment then it's Darlow then it's probably Sells then it's maybe Krull and Woodman on the same sort of table because he hasn't played Premier League football for such a long time October 2015 was it 16 or 15 2015 was the last time he played Premier League football yeah, like I think like Sean said you know there's going to be the margins are going to be really fine for Newcastle next season Rafa will tear his hair out if Newcastle concede daft goals next year. So he'll look for his goalkeeper not to make those mistakes. Newcastle concede a goal against Everton, say, at home. They're going to have to really go some to then score two <coughs> goals against them to get the game back. You know, it wasn't the way in the Championship. Well, they only just did against Bristol City. They're going to start a chance against We, the we knew that Newcastle were capable of scoring one more goal than every team in the Championship. It's not going to be the case for the games of the top seven in the, in the Premier League. I just want to ask Stu about Freddie Woodman. Obviously, one of twenty threes that Lee did a piece last last week about Benitez changing and um, kind of the approach in twenty threes and putting a bit more focus on it. I mean, how important do you think that's going to be for Freddie Woodman and you know the rest of the under twenty three squad? Well, it's it's interesting because I think 
for an outfield player, I think it could make a, a big difference, if the, especially if the uh, the first team manager has taken a, a big interest in it. For goalkeepers, you get the feeling, and, and we've seen it, but to be honest, Tim Crow was a classic example, wasn't he? He went out on loan, played first team football for Carlisle, for Falkirk, and he came back a different player. Um, so I think Woodman's doing the right thing and, and going out on loan, as, as Sean said, he impressed with um, Kamarnik. I, I would actually prefer to see him out on loan, playing first team football, where he's getting against proper professional footballers who are putting decent crosses in, challenging them in the box. Which of course you get that on under twenty three level, but you're doing it against people who maybe aren't fully physically developed yet, um, and also the the intensity's probably not quite there. If you lose an under twenty three match, there's no huge consequences really, is there? Um, if that's not the case of first team football, so I think for goalkeepers it's slightly different. And I would, whilst obviously you, you, it's a good way of bringing through your really young goalkeepers and giving them a chance against older players, but I would I would prefer to see my my best young player, goalkeeper, send out on loan. Uh, play, again, as Sean said, playing in the Championship, I think, would be a fantastic season if Freddie Wooden could manage that for him. And it just develops. I mean, the, the, the difference between Tim Crow before he left to go out on loan and the player he came back it was a different player altogether. Because goalkeepers grow as well. I mean, they may be slightly naturally taller than a lot of players when they're younger, but they grow physically, they've got to fill out. Um, and it, it, it just makes a huge difference. So with Fraser Foster as well, so how, how much he's developed. I mean, he's, a, he's always a big lad, but he's, he's now an absolute giant yeah. now, isn't he? And of course, he got a great loan move, didn't he? Because he went to Celtic. Yeah, fantastic. Where yeah. he played, he ended up playing Champions League football. Um, and I mean, he was you know, outstanding, wasn't he, for, for Celtic? I think, you know, that was that was the biggest um, you know, thing for for all of the Newcastle's goalkeepers is they went out and got, and got really good loan moves and things. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Newcastle have now got Simon Smith there, who knows the tradition really good goalkeeping coach you know good guy as well Steve Harper there working in the academy working with young goalkeepers who knows the tradition at Newcastle United they've always had a really good tradition of top class goalkeepers at Newcastle ever since I can remember they've always had you know excellent keepers um, and and a crop of really really good goalkeepers as well Um, you know I mean Harps would probably tell you that he he hung around a little bit too long you know he could have gone away and played 500 top flight games or championship games you know, in the later in his career, and you know, I mean, it, that, it's really, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because this is an area where Newcastle have always been strong. They're strong this season, but Rafa's almost kind of trying to push them a little bit forward. Um, but yeah, I think Freddie, I think it'd be interesting. I think Freddie Woodman will get a Championship club next year, no problem. And uh, I just want to ask uh, Sean, how important is it that if someone does come in and you goalkeeper, that is it, it got to be a Premier League experienced goalkeeper, or is it about the talent of that? That that keeper, you know, has. Well, I think well, you, as we see in Newcastle, I've got five keepers on the books now. It has to be someone who can come in and hit the ground running straight away, hasn't it? Well, that's got so you probably is going to have to have Premier League experience, you would say, um, to justify really getting rid of we're well, not getting rid of but pushing Rob Elliott, Cardalo out from that number one spot. Um, so yeah, I would say he has to have Premier League experience just purely because. We look. We seen last season with Matt Sells. He, he came in. He played the first nine games and he struggled. A bit. And as we mentioned before, what the fine margin in the Premier League, we cannot afford to do that this season. So if he is going to bring in a keeper, it has to be someone who can start as number one and really cement himself in that position from the get go. So are we all in agreement that Matt Sells' Newcastle career is probably over? Then? Or do we think he's going to get one more chance? The thing is, he's got contracts in twenty twenty one. So you know, you never say. You never say he's, he's definitely. Out of the picture because there's, you know, there's still, uh, there's still an opportunity there for him to co- go out on loan, come back and do and do business and stuff. But 
Um, I'd be really surprised if he comes back because the problem is as well, like now he's got a reputation where he's, you know, Newcastle fans aren't overly convinced about him. You know, that, that was a big part of, I think, why he got dropped. So it's going to be difficult. It's going to be really, really difficult for um, Matt Sells to come back into Newcastle, I think. Unlikely, unlikely. Although it's answered that Rob Elliott, you know, he's the start of his Newcastle career was pretty inauspicious. <coughs> I remember being at the Nottingham Forest game that he played. Um, his first game for Newcastle, he come from Charlton, and he was he didn't look he didn't look Newcastle United standard. Now I would say you know he looks absolutely Newcastle standard. He's grown into that position, um, so you never know. But I'd say it's unlikely. I think I think the moment he got dropped in that Norwich City game, it became very difficult to see him having a Newcastle United career, uh, which is why it was such a big decision. I think with Sells, he doesn't instill confidence, does he? His handling isn't great. When he comes out of crosses, he flaps it quite a bit. And I think that's quite a habit with European goalkeepers, to be honest. They don't come out and catch the ball, really, when, when they'll, they'll, they'll punch it or they'll palm it away. And it, it, A lot of the times it's unnecessary and it brings on unnecessary pressure. Um, and I just I just can't see Sells coming back in. And Even if it's a year and a half down the line, a couple of seasons' time, he comes in for that one-odd one, that one game, do you know? Um I just don't see the, 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 the defence having any sort of confidence in them and I don't think he'll bring that authority with him either. Yeah, I, 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 you can't argue with that. I mean, to be fair, the guy he kept quite a few clean sheets actually and um, when you look at the rest of the games he played in and the number of clean sheets but as Sean said, it's about confidence and you were never fully confident of him in, in the Newcastle goal although he didn't really make any serious claim. It's not compared to the ones Darlow made in all fairness. No. Um, but yeah, I just think it, it, it hasn't worked out for him. Um, and the only problem he's got now, if you can call it a problem, is, is as Mark said, his his wages sort of prohibit him from from where he can move on. But th- there should be a decent loan move in it for him, hopefully. Yeah, I want to play, of course, because it's the World Cup. The yeah. World Cup coming yeah. up next year. He's he missed on the Euros uh, last summer because I think Belgium wanted to take. I think they took one of the, I can't remember exactly the name of the, the goalkeeper, but they took an older goalkeeper. Um, who wasn't playing, who wasn't going to probably play solely for almost like the reason for chemistry in the dressing room. Um, so Matt Sells missed out when he was probably the best, the, the third best goalkeeper in, in Belgium. Um, he missed out, he was behind Courtois and uh, Mignolet, who were obviously both playing in England as well. Uh, so he was, he was unlucky there and he'll want to be, he'll want to be at the next World Cup because he'll, you know, that, that'll be his, that'll be one of his aims for Belgium decent decent outfit anyway aren't they and I think he'll, he'll probably want to go back to either to Belgium to the Jupiler League or I think that's the only option for him really I mean he could potentially I think there's some interest in him from, in Germany as well but I, I don't think he'll I don't think he'll stay in England he won't want to be third choice which is effectively what he was for the final game he won't want to do that will he um, so I think he, he's definitely going to go um, and then it's just a question of whether Carl Darlow goes as well I think Robert will stay um, but sales will, sales will go, I think. So, so if sales goes, do you, you're seeing that sources in Belgium are saying that they, you, they can't afford him on a permanent basis. Will they be paying a percentage of his wage, or will that be costed by Newcastle fully? I think there's. I think what tends to happen <coughs> is that they wouldn't cover his contract across four years, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think they probably would end up. Newcastle probably would inevitably end up paying a little bit of his. Of his wages, although I would say that with Tovan, they did, they didn't. Newcastle didn't. They um, it was a decision for Tovan, wasn't it? It was left to him, and they basically Newcastle said, "Look, if you want to go back, if that's where you want to go back, you have to you have to take the uh, decrease in wages." So it might be that Sells has to take a, a 10 20 percent pay cut or whatever 
to go there if he wants to play. Newcastle will probably present it to him like that. Um, but the loan moves are always kind of tricky because uh, they might be able to budget for it for one year, but it's then saying, right, over four years, we're going to match your contract. Probably they can't afford to do that. Yeah. They'll probably do it over one year, which is what, you know, I think what, what Newcastle will probably do with some of their loan moves as well. So we couldn't, you know, say, I'm not saying Daniel Sturridge is going to sign and say, 130,000, 140,000 a week, whatever he's on, would be way above the ceiling of Newcastle's highest earner. But if they got him on a loan one year, they'd say, right, we'll budget for that for one year. That's yeah. maybe two players' wages. We'll take that and just take the hit on it for a year. Same with Batshui, who would be you know, way above what Newcastle's highest earner would, would earn. Um, but they would probably say, we'll take that as a one year thing. So it's, it's interesting, it's all that football economics. Are always a bit, you know, always a bit of a, a different kind of thing. Um, but I think for get, you know, for, for Anderlecht, they're probably the most, they're probably the most lucrative yeah. Belgian option for him because they would probably be able to afford it for a year. Um, but I think he probably needs to take a pay cut, which he would do if it's in the World Cup year. Hmm. Um, but it's like Tovan, isn't it? You know, Tovan took really big pay cut to go back to Marseille at first. And then now he's proved himself in a year, and now he's got options to go around. So he probably will get the money he was on at Newcastle now at Marseille because they're financial. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a it's a question, isn't it, for agents really whether yeah. they're willing to take much of a cut um, or whether he wants to play. And I think he'll want to play. Grand. And just finally, I just want to ask for the goalkeeper to come in, or for Elliot or Dollar. I mean, goalkeepers of the past. I mean, who would you pick as the you know as the bar that's been set? Stu, who would you say that's who's going to aspire to? Well, certainly Premier League year I think Shea Given is the name that jumps out really uh, as as we've said earlier Newcastle have been blessed over the years with some really great goalkeepers um, I remember the likes of, of Tommy Wright who played for Newcastle in, a, in an era which wasn't particularly glorious but he used to make some fantastic saves not really comparable with what we're talking about now to be fair um, but someone like Shea Given was fantastic shots up although again his distribution was often maligned to be honest um, but when you're talking about confidence in a goalkeeper from a back force point of view, uh, Given didn't ever make mistakes, really, did he? Uh, he was never beaten easily. Fantastic goalkeeper. Just forget that Dion Dublin moment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> move on, yeah. Uh, Sean, is, I mean, you, I mean, I'm a Shea fan, I'd, I'd say Shea Given, but is anyone else that stands out for you from the past? Not, not in terms of Newcastle, I think Shea Given is the ceiling, isn't he? I think when, when, I was, when I was growing up, he was my hero, to be honest. I absolutely love Shea Given, I think. Yeah, his distribution wasn't great, but he had all the fundamentals in abundance, didn't he? He was a great shot stopper, his handling was good, he was agile, his reflexes were superb, and I think Newcastle will be hard-pressed to find a goalkeeper as good as that ever, really, to be honest. I think he really is, but he really was the ceiling, wasn't he? He was in the keeper for some great times under Bobby Robson, and even in the, the poorer times. I, mean, I remember the first time we got relegated in 2008-2009, um, we played Liverpool at home and we got B5-1 but Shaken was absolutely outstanding oh, that day yeah. he could, could have been it could have been 10-11 if he wasn't in goal that day he was superb and he, as I say he, was, he, he is the standard isn't he he, he went uh, interesting <coughs> one about that he went pretty much from that game into the uh, chairman's office or manager's office and said you know I need to leave he yeah. knew there was interest in him there and uh, interestingly <coughs> then I remember speaking to Joe Kinnear back in the days when Kinnear would take a phone call <laughs> 
and Kinnear said he's not going anywhere. He's not. He's not. He's not interested. He doesn't want to leave. And obviously, that that infuriated Given, who then <laughs> leaked to one of his friends. I don't know if it was Given or whether somebody close to Given had leaked to his friends. And yes, he does want to leave. He absolutely does. So you had Kinnear. Actually, the the stupid situation where Kinnear was actually denying outright that he wanted to leave when Given was the exact opposite. It was like it was crazy, crazy time. We're not like that anymore. That's you. You would go for Given as well. Do it? you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Steve Harper because I liked I liked Harper uh, as a goalkeeper. I really like. I thought he was. Uh, I thought Given's probably the you know the outstanding goalkeeper in Newcastle. United. I like Pavel Cernicek as well. Obviously, that was before my time covering. And Pav was you know I, I knew Pav as well. I liked the way that Pav thought about the club and all that. Um, but I thought that um, you know, I was I was rated Steve Harper. I always thought he was a good. I thought he was really unlucky because he just didn't seem to play enough games really for me I thought he probably was as good as anybody um, at that era you know the thing with Steve Harper he didn't necessarily he wasn't always spectacular um, top corner sort of saves although he did make some of them as well but he just fundamentals goalkeeping he was just absolutely outstanding um, and you know big big character in the dressing room as well and uh, you know I know from speaking to him from the way that he kind of dealt with a lot you know he had a very big impact on that football club for a long time um, and you know I think he'd be a really good football. I think he'd be a really good manager if he wants to go into that because you know he's somebody I like. You know, we've spoken to everybody in the patch knows Steve Harper really well. But um, I really hope he does have a go at management because you know I know that from when he was kind of doing a lot of you know when he was goalkeeper at Newcastle, he was almost in that kind of quasi coach role anyway because he was helping through a lot of those goalkeepers. So um, yeah, you know, a good a good goalkeeper probably Shakeyvan was the best in terms of just. Yeah, but he's one of the best the Premier League's ever seen, so mm. you'd have to say him. Um, Krul was Krul was outstanding in the season that Newcastle finished fifth. Absolutely yeah, outstanding. Away at Tottenham, yeah, away yeah. at Tottenham was one of the best goalkeeper performances I've ever seen. Rob Elliott, um, that's uh, last season or not last season, obviously the season before that against Bournemouth was an outstanding goalkeeper in display. Uh, Carl Darlow this season against Nottingham Forest was a top class goalkeeper in display. So you, you know we've had loads, but I think Shaggy was the best. But special mention for Harper because I think that people forget him sometimes, and he was really really good and he could have gone three or four times and he didn't and well there we have it thank you very much for joining us if you head to chroniclelive.co.uk <laughs> to keep up to date with all the latest transfer news and we did get uh, the laugh in there off Sean with <laughs> being at the start of the podcast the last time he laughed was when Bradford conceded in the dying stages at Wembley which I, I'll, I haven't forgotten them. and this time next year if I'm still here um, touch wood so that sounds a little bit um, <laughs> it's not, not been that bad this week um, but yeah if I'm uh, you know if we have, have this podcast this time next year I'll remind you of New Bradford's unbeaten season as they waltz into the championship I think if we still have this podcast next year it'll be a Steve Morrison anniversary special won't it and we're going to end it there before <laughs> tables and chairs start to be thrown thank you very much uh, and I say hello to chroniclelive.co.uk This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. 
Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.